Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. The day is finally here. After months of campaigning and what seemed like thousands of forums, the time has arrived for people of Nashville to decide who will serve as our next mayor. What started out as 12 candidates has been whittled down to two, Freddie O'Connell and Alice Rowley. This is our city's fourth mayoral election in five years. As much as Nashvilleians are happy to be done with campaigns, ads, and mailers, many are thinking about the future of our city. And the truth is, the next mayor will determine where we go from here. So what are the events that have shaped this election cycle? How has this race distinguished distinguished itself from previous ones? My next guest is a veteran journalist who is here to offer her insights as she has covered her fair share of mayoral races. Holly McCall is the editor-in-chief at the Tennessee Lookout, and she joins me now. Holly, thanks for being here, and welcome back to This is Nashville. Khalil, I am delighted to be here. I love WPLN, and as you know, I can talk in my sleep about Nashville and Tennessee politics. <laughs> That's why we have you, and thank you so much for being here. Okay, so come this time tomorrow, we should know who our next mayor will be. How happy are you that this election cycle is nearly over? You know, I'm glad. It seems like in Tennessee these days, we go from endless election cycle to legislative session to election cycle to Mm. special legislative session. And it's not just that journalists, like we love covering this stuff, right? We live for it. But Mm -hmm. I think there's a weariness in Nashville, particularly around mayoral politics. As you pointed out, we've had four elections in five years and there's Definite voter fatigue. Yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. voter fatigue. Okay, so let, looking at this cycle here, you know, we have a race that began with 12 candidates, which means there was a lot of forums, and campaign events. You know, as I mentioned, you've covered mayoral elections in Nashville before. Have you ever seen a field with so many candidates? No, this is definitely the biggest field. In 2015, I believe there were seven candidates, and we thought that was a large field. And Mm -hmm. then this year we had 12. And it always gets informally winnowed down. With 12 candidates, I think there were about seven or eight that were considered viable. And that was based on the amount of money they raised, the amount of did they have a campaign staff. But even so, seven candidates, seven strong candidates running is a big field. We thought that was huge in 2015. How, how, did, how did having these seven strong candidates, how did that really impact the race and the information that was out there about each one? I'm so glad you asked about this because I love the ins and outs of like these deals and the campaign politics. And I did say, I will do the I told you so. I was at a forum with several other journalists in, I think it was early May, and I was the only one of the three journalists who said Freddie O'Connell's going to make the runoff. Mm. Because when you have 12 candidates, even with seven strong ones, it striates the field so deeply that somebody can get into the runoff with a very small percentage of votes. And I think Freddie had 27 or 28 percent. Alice Rowley had 20 percent of the votes. Mm -hmm. Freddie, I think, made it into the runoff because he had something that nobody else in the field had, and that's decades of experience in the community, not just as an elected official, but before he was on the Metro Council. You know, he served on the Metro Transit Authority board. He was in Walk Bike Nashville. He was one of the founders of that. And so he had just developed 
decades of experience that you can't replicate. You just don't have the runway to do that in months, okay. in a few months. And now, and as I said, there were countless forums, and we get closer to the first, as we got closer to the first round of voting on August 3rd. Talk to me about that. What was your impression of, your impression of these forums? How effective were they? Not very. And mm. this is my opinion. Look, you really can't have too much public communication. And I think in most races, there is not enough. You don't, voters don't have the opportunity to hear what candidates are saying. But in this case, where you have, I think it was close to 50 forums, you know, there are many organizations that want to do a forum because their issue is important and they want to talk about it. And that's not to say that their issues are not important. But when you have forum after forum after forum with that many candidates, nobody gets a chance to really. Or let me say, the forum organizers rarely have the chance to dig into the issues as much as would be helpful. Mm -hmm. Because what it means is each of these candidates is honing the same message. They start out with forum one, and they're a little shaky. And forum two, they say the same thing, but they're a little smoother. And by 50, nobody's learning anything new. Mm -hmm. Nobody's getting held accountable. Um, you actually, not to blow smoke up your skirt, but you did... Uh, moderate a forum for Open Table Nashville yes, and the Renters. I think it was about housing. Yes. And that one, you, you dug into that one pretty deeply and held people accountable. But I think it would be much more effective to have fewer forums um, and, and really spend some time, like give people two or three or even five minutes yeah. and let people talk deeply about subjects. You know, for that Open Table forum, they asked me to push back and they wanted audience participation because looking at it, you know, there a lot of the forms were buttoned up and very silent. Candidates get 90 seconds mm -hmm. to answer. Please, no response from the audience. And that one, you know, a lot of people uh, kind of gave me props for that. And thank you very much. But it was all through their direction. They asked for this. And I feel like when you are in settings like this, we get a, a realness and an authenticity from the candidates. And we get, like you said, an ability to understand what they're about. So what would you like to see change for the next election cycle? Hopefully it's not in a year or two. We go hopefully, through the full term. Hopefully not. You know, I'd like to see fewer, uh, fewer forums. And I'd like to see, you know, and this time the candidates, the major candidates had gotten together and decided they were going to limit the number of forums. And Jim Gingrich's campaign did not want to sign off on that. And I think maybe they were sorry that they did not after the fact. But I think it would be much better to have X number of forums, whether it's six, a half a dozen, like some reasonable number, not too, not too few. Obviously, you want people to have the opportunity, but market the heck out of them. Get several media outlets, like even media outlets. We're bad about this, right? Yeah. Every TV station wants their own forum. Like, let's put consortiums of media groups together and community organizations and have six or seven really thorough, really thorough ones, like maybe one forum on an issue, like one on housing, one on transit, one on city finances. And that would give you the opportunity. I believe it would give voters the opportunity to hear how much people actually understand the issues. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there was one TV station, and I'm not going to call them out, but they held a forum this time that gave, gave candidates 45 seconds. To answer. I mean, I'm not even warming up in 45 seconds. No, you no, can't no. say anything in that. Yeah. I mean, my billboard, the billboard to introduce the show is longer right. than 45 seconds. Well, let, let's hope that general managers at, at news outlets and at editors in chiefs are listening to you so we can maybe next time have something like that going around for this election. So, you know, there's always these unpredictable but nonetheless impactful events that really can shift campaigns. In March, the Covenant School shooting rocked mm -hmm. our city, state, and the country, to tell you the truth. And it was early in the election cycle, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. How did that tragedy impact the race? 
I actually don't think it impacted it very much. Um, I think most of the candidates did not thoroughly address that. Um, there, I don't remember there being a forum that was specifically directed towards gun violence. That issue dominated the legislature and led to the creation of a special August session. Jeff Yarbrough, State Senator Jeff Yarbrough, who was in the mayoral race, did an ad that was targeted towards gun violence. And I don't remember any of the other leading candidates addressing that. So that that is an important subject. Just yesterday, there was a threat of a mass shooting at MLK Magnet School, where several lawmakers send their you know, Delisha Porterfield, Councilwoman Delisha Porterfield sends her daughter there and Senator Yarbrough's son goes there and uh, Representative Jeff, uh, Jason Powell's kid goes there. And so it is an important issue that's on people's mind, but it didn't it almost barely got addressed. Barely got addressed. I mean, we, we know the mayor can't do much. They don't have much power to to act on gun reform, but it is a very important issue for a lot of folks. What does that say that that a lot of the candidates didn't address it at all? You know, I think there are some candidates that don't want to address that because there's a fear of offending or alienating parts of their voter base. And Matt Wiltshire, who, look, I like Matt Wiltshire. I've worked with him. He's a great guy, and I think he would be a good mayor. But he ran a very careful down-the-middle campaign. And I think it's part of the reason he didn't do well, that he didn't make it into the runoff. People didn't know who he was. Was he progressive? Was he conservative? And I know that Matt is a person who cares deeply about issues important to working families and families with kids. He's got, I think, five kids of his own. um, And yet he didn't address this. And I would think it was because he was trying to not alienate people on the right side of the aisle. But, you know, there's an old saying, Khalil, when you walk down the middle of the road, you're going to get run over eventually. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I, I feel like it also relates to the relationship between the city and the state government. I mean, mm-hmm. for years, there's been tension between the two bodies and things. Sometimes now it feels like it's almost outright hostile, you know, these actions. Do you think how do you think that that impacted the race? You know, that's a good question. It that was always looming in the race. Mm-hmm. And it was certainly something that voters and activists kept bringing up. Uh, both Senator Yarbrough and Senator Heidi Campbell, who ran, talked about the fact that they would be better able to broker deals between the legislature and city government. But I think the response to that is, well, why haven't you done that already? You're from Nashville and you've been sitting in the Senate, and yet you have not been able to broker better deals and create a better relationship. Whether that's fair or not, that is the impression that some voters had. And then you have somebody like Alice Rowley, who is in the runoff, who is you know, pretty openly a Republican in a nonpartisan race. And she has touted the fact that she thinks she could get along with Republican lawmakers better. And and I'm not sure that's the case either. I think we have a legislature that is out of control and drunk on their power. Uh, I do think that Mayor John Cooper has not managed that relationship well and has managed it about as poorly as it could be managed. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure whoever is in office now is going to have a great deal of luck. I think they can make some small strides, but that's the best we can hope for. Okay, that's that's the relationship with the legislature. What about the relationship between our next mayor and the governor? When you were when you came here in April, you had some strong words about Governor Lee's relative silence. Let's listen. This governor, like I, I think maybe we should have him checked out by an ol- orientologist to see if he can actually speak uh, or if he has become mute. 
He has said he says very little. The last time I think he did a public media availability was the day that someone uh, questioned him about his photos in high school drag. And that's been six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He does not speak to the media. Uh, You know, he had a couple of friends who were killed in this mass shooting at Covenant. He still didn't address that like live publicly. He put out a canned video statement and he said zero about what's going on in the legislature. And so you have to presume in light of that, that Cameron Sexton, the Speaker of the House, is running this state. Okay, so given Governor Lee's apprehension to speak publicly on issues, do you think we're going to have more of the same with that from Governor Lee based on who becomes Nashville's next mayor? This is the capital city. This is the major city where things run through in this state. I mean, I think this speaks to the governor we have who... I don't have anything to change that has changed my mind since I last addressed this. He had zero presence during the special session that he called. Um, you know, he was supposedly in the Capitol. Nobody saw him. The day it ended, he had a press conference, but it wasn't even in the Capitol building. And my take is that he has kind of checked out. He's not quite a lame duck that usually hits the last year after the next election cycle has started, but he's in his final term. He's term limited. You know, I think there was a lot of gossip for a while that he was interested in being VP on one of the Republican presidential tickets. But DeSantis appeared his best shot. DeSantis is tanking in the polls, uh, is firing staff. And so I just don't know that we're going to see a lot more out of this governor. Mm. I I wonder what a relationship with the mayor and the governor will be like. Hopefully it's a fruitful one. Now. If Freddie O'Connell gets elected, I will say he has been good building relationships. That is one of the hallmarks of his time in the public view. And I say that in the public view. That goes back to his decades of experience. I don't, Alice Rowley, I don't know her track record as well. I do think it is interesting that she's worked for a number of Republican officials, none of whom have have endorsed her. So I don't know how she would work. But I I think, again, it goes back to the governor's willingness to do anything. Mm -hmm. We'll see about that. So. You know, okay, big picture, when you compare this to previous mayoral races, what really makes this year's different? You know, there is, um, I think what I see this year is there's a need for hope. Um, the, The field is comparable to the 2015 field. And, the you know, many people have talked about the fact that this runoff election looks a lot like the runoff election in 2015. But I think after everything that Nashville has gone through between the tornado, COVID, covenant shooting. Um, We've been through fights over a soccer stadium in the last four years. That was one of the first things Mayor Cooper did. We fought over the Titan Stadium. And there's still like this sort of cloud of hope that is hovering over voters. Like they hope for something better. They hope for an inspirational leader. I don't think that John Cooper did a bad job, but he had a terrible presence in public, terrible communication strategy, almost nobody going to bat for him publicly. And what people are looking for now is still that person who makes them optimistic about living in Nashville and makes them hopeful. And a dark message about Nashville is going to end up you know, like San Francisco. That, I just don't think that resonates. Mm. People who vote love Nashville, and they want a mayor who also publicly loves Nashville as well. I don't live in Davidson County. I can't vote. But I think that is part of what has propelled Freddie O'Connell this far in the race. Okay, so are there any parts that have been more of the same with previous election cycles? Yeah, I mean, it's still like you get the negative 
Mm-hmm. You get the negative uh, mail pieces and advertising. And I will note that every single metro election, right at the end, somebody, and it might even be the same somebody's, rolls out some piece of homophobic um propaganda. Mm. In 2019, um, there was that kind of thing that was rolled out against Jenny Welch, who is a sitting councilwoman. She was running for the first time then. She's not a member of the LGBT community, but a male piece went out on behalf of her opponent saying she's going to bring all these gays in. Well, look, no, mm. nobody cares about that now. Mm-hmm. And in District 11, where Eric Patton, an openly gay man, is running against a guy who works for uh, honky-tonk impresario Steve Smith, there was a piece that came out that had a, you know, was just openly homophobic and said, if Eric Patton wins, he's going to push the gay agenda. Look, it's 2023. There are probably a few people who care about that, but not enough to make a difference in election. People want a council person who's going to fill their dying potholes. Yeah. They don't care if he's gay, straight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And speaking of council, you know, Tennessee, look at you all have been keeping a close eye on all of the races. When we look at the state legislature open seats as well, what are you all keeping in mind as voters are heading to the polls today? Rephrase that a little bit for me, Khalil. Okay, so you're 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 looking today's. We have the mayoral race, mm-hmm, but you mm-hmm. all are. You know, we got Metro Council and we've got the state legislature going on. Okay, what are you all paying attention to for those other races and seats that are open? Well, I think the Metro Council at large race is vastly interesting. Um, there are four seats that are open because sitting. At-large councilwoman Zulfat Suara already won election. She did not. She made the cut and didn't need to be in the runoff. But this is we have the very real chance that there are going to be five women on the at-large. And that'll be I think that's interesting. I think there's a very real chance that it's a five woman thing. I also think this to me is fascinating. There is a transgender woman who is running for at-large, Olivia Hill. She's a Navy veteran got a pretty extensive background. But if she wins, that's going to be fascinating because the states, one of their major issues of the last year was anti-transgender legislation, making sure people didn't have access to gender-affirming care. It was about this time last year that Marsha Blackburn, our U.S. senior senator, headlined an anti-transgender rally. And if a transgender woman wins to be the first transgender elected official in Tennessee, that's a national story. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep our eyes on that. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll look at some of the biggest issues the city is facing and talk about how each of the remaining candidates for mayor are suited to address them. And we want to hear from you. So join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Kelowna, and this is Nashville. Today is election day in Davidson County. The race for mayor started with 12 candidates. That number now stands at two. Voters are heading to the polls to decide if Alice Rowley or Freddie O'Connell will be our next mayor. Whoever wins faces a long list of issues that the people of Nashville want addressed. Public transit. Housing and school safety are just some of the challenges that are on residents' minds. So 
what do the mayoral finalists, where do the mayoral finalists, pardon me, where do they stand on those issues? And how suited are they to address them? My next guests are here to offer their perspectives. Both are former guests of the show. Yousef Dogan is a freshman at MTSU, a first-time voter, and a former member of the Mayor's Youth Council. And Rondricus White is a local organizer. Yousef, Ron, thanks for being here. Welcome back to This is Nashville. Thank you. Hey, Khalil. I'm happy to be back. Happy to have you here, and thank you for taking time during class to talk with us. Holly McCall. Yeah, I'm coming live from the MTSU Walker Library right now. Excellent. (laughs) Getting it done. Hopefully you're not making too much noise at the library or you're in a space where you can be loud. Um, Holly McCall with the Tennessee Lookout is still with us. Holly, thanks to you for being here, too. Of course. Thank you. Okay, so we're looking at the issues that the city is facing on Election Day. One of the biggest issues is transit and transportation. It's been brought up countless times on This Is Nashville. It's a major impediment and something that most citizens want addressed immediately. Now, WPLN's Cynthia Abrams has reported that both candidates, they say that they'll pursue a transit referendum as one of their first official actions should they win. Both candidates would bring their measures to voters in the form of this referendum. Now, Ron, tell me, what are your thoughts about that? Would you like to see a referendum on transit? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Look, Born and raised here, I remember when you can get any place in the city, 15 minutes, right? From Madison, Antioch, 20 minutes maybe in traffic. Now it takes 15 minutes to get from East Nashville to like the center of downtown, right? Uh, traffic is, rush hour starts really around 2 o'clock, doesn't end until about 6.30, right? Um, we And we continue to add more and more people here. Tourism continues to grow. And there's no way for people to get around comfortably. Um, and it has an effect on working class families. Also, the, the cost of maintaining a vehicle, uh, you know, the gas, the note itself, the maintenance. Uh, so, yeah, a transportation referendum would be major to help the affordability crisis of Nashville. In 2018, voters soundly rejected a multi-billion dollar transit plan. Do you think that Nashvilleians, despite everything you just listed and stated, do you think that they're motivated to vote again? Yeah, I think after uh, after seeing their referendum pass and what has became since then, uh, I everyone I know that I talk to wants public transportation, wants investment in public infrastructure, uh, and absolutely, I think a, a, a good plan um, that is you know reasonably priced and actually serves the needs of the people, right? Um, is definitely something that people would vote for. You're talking about serving the needs of the people. So what are you looking for in terms of improved transit and transportation? Uh, I mean, you know, as big as I want them to be. Yeah, uh, it's your wish list. It, my wish list would be, you know, some form of rail, right? But I think in the immediate, uh, more, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, service that comes by more often, right? Uh, more, you know, bus routes, Um Longer bus routes, right? Uh, places that I think uh, we're making a really good step with the transit centers that we're putting throughout the city, right? Instead of you having to go all the way downtown from, I live in East, like I said, I live in East Nashville. Shelby is right off, uh, the Shelby route is not that far from me. But if I really wanted to go, you know, down Gallatin, I pretty much have to go downtown just to go right, <laughs> right by Gallatin. Uh, so, yeah, finding places that we can, you know, 
go uh, and transfer easily would be one of the best things we could do now, Yusuf, in the near future. Now, Yusuf, you were way too young in, to vote in 2018, but now you're eligible mm-hmm. to cast your vote. Tell me, tell me about the transportation and transit changes you'd like to see as an eligible voter. Um, I actually did hear, hear about that. And, you know, they went and did polls again recently, and they found out that more people now would have actually been interested in having a subway, like looking at things now. But in general, I think a, a comprehensive and well-thought-out transit plan is good for Nashville overall because I, I'm in East Nashville as well, and I I have to drive, right? Walking it to any place is not feasible. I'm not entirely sure like the specifics of what everything needs to be done. But I know that I shouldn't have to be able to like drive. I shouldn't have to drive somewhere else to like, like go to a park, have fun just to take a breather. I shouldn't have to drive 20 minutes just to go and calm down and chill out. That should be something that's within walking distance. That should be something that even if without walking, without um, buses and public transportation, that should be something that's easily accessible because especially for students, you know, stuff is already expensive. It is expensive. Having, Tell me this, right, though. Have, exactly. You're in your first exactly. semester of college. You're in your first semester right. of college. Have you been talking to your peers about this issue of transit? If so, what have those conversations been like? So I'm on MTSU, and we're in Murfreesboro. And actually, on campus, we do have our own bus system because they added that in a little while ago because it was needed, you know. People, the campus is very big. There's a bus system so people can get around. Um, people have definitely said that, you know, that they're going to be late to classes and things of that nature just to get around. Um, but even for people that need to go to work, it's definitely a long ways of walking. Um, so there's that. Okay. So thinking about this, whatever happens, you know, the move to fix our transit is going to require money. Likely means higher taxes for the people of Nashville and Davidson County. Holly, how have the candidates talked about how they would pay for a new transit plan? Well, Alice Rowley, I think, made a pretty critical mistake when she openly said that she would not um, not raise taxes. And every time I hear a candidate say something like that, you know, I know that I'm the oldest person in this particular room, but George H.W. Bush in 1988 Mm -hmm. stood up at the Republican convention and said, read my lips, no new taxes. And he had to raise taxes. And that is what killed him. Bill Clinton went on to say, you know, it's the economy, stupid, hammered on taxes. If there's anything that we should have learned 30 or more years ago is that you can't say you won't raise taxes. And this is probably not quite at the heart of your question, but I think one of the reasons the transit referendum failed in 2018 is that transit is very expensive. And you probably have to break that off, eat that elephant a bite at a time. If you put out that it's going to cost $5 billion, people are going to lose their minds. And so it probably needed to have been marketed in portions. Um, And so I I would hope that whoever wins takes a a more measured approach to it. Now, where do they differ on transit and how it should be approached. Well, I might ask Ron to pitch in as well. I have not heard Alice talk a lot about transit. Now, Me neither. Okay. Now, Freddie, you know, he started, like I said, he was one of the founders of Walk Bike Nashville. I actually met him when he was chair of the Metro Transit Authority. You know, he didn't own a car for the first 12 years. He lived back in Nashville after he graduated from college. So transit is something he's been talking about for at least the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. 
And Ron, Ron, would you add anything to that? I just haven't heard Alice address transit at all. Yeah, no, I went on both their websites last night just to look at, you know, compare the uh, platforms. And there's literally nothing about transit. Um, And to your point about Freddie, that's always been one of his things is how not only did he not own a car, but him not owning that car allowed him to build the wealth necessary to buy the house that he has. Mm. Um, so there's that affordability connection to transit and housing. And you're talking about transit and housing. Let's talk about housing. Um, affordable housing in people in Nashville and Davidson County is uh, getting a little thinner these days, the opportunities for it. It's often a topic of conversation here on This Is Nashville. Holly, what have the candidates said about how they're going to address the housing needs of people in the city? Well, uh, once again, I... Ron, correct me on this. I haven't heard Alice talk a lot about that. Yeah. I think what you're seeing between Freddie and Alice is a pretty traditional progressive slash Democratic and conservative Republican mm-hmm. split. Um, Freddie has done more to address it. It is uh, we cannot leave this just to the market. Like yeah. the government does have a role and it is going to have to get involved. It's certainly not an easy solution. Ron, do you, I see you nodding vigorously over here. Yeah, no, uh, the government has to get involved somehow. Like you said, the private market, the yeah, the private market cannot be the only solution to this. Uh, and you know, we have the funds. We just need the will, right? Do people have the political will to actually invest in housing? We put the crazy amount in the Titans uh, that could have been put towards, you know, building more houses, creating more uh, market uh, availability in certain sectors of the uh, community. Do, do we have a second for me to expound just yeah, a little yeah. bit? Yeah, please. So many of these issues are very interconnected, and we hear the legislature talk about mental health in regards to gun safety, but they don't talk about mental health in regards to mm. our homeless population, people mm. in the streets. And there are more studies that I could roll out to show that not only has homelessness increased since the COVID pandemic, that mental health has decreased. And there's a correlation. So the legislature could help out with this by addressing, if they are serious about mental health, they could address mental health programs that deal with all sorts of issues. And, you know, the housing crisis is not just around affordable housing for those of us who are already living here or people who want to come here, but it's also about, we, we've got to find some housing for people who are on the streets and we've and to do that, we've got to start with mental health. I'm sorry. I know that's probably off topic, but I just see the interconnectedness of all of these issues. And I also it's always invite that, that there's also a public safety issue, mm-hmm. right? People not having what makes people safe, feeling like they have a place to live and sleep. And, you know, homelessness, that's what that's part of the crime issue that we have is because people don't have shelter. Yusuf, we in. What are your thoughts? Yeah. On the mayor, could you repeat the question? What What are your thoughts on this issue of housing? I mean, you live in East Nashville. You don't decide not to live on campus. You know, you're a young person starting off in college. You are being housed now. You're, you're handling the responsibilities of paying rent, paying bills, and things like this on time. As things go on, as you get closer to graduation, are you really concerned about housing in our city? Oh, my gosh, yes. Um I, you know, living with my parents was one thing, but now going out and seeing the cost of things, you know, uh, um, oh, okay, you make enough money to pay the 
monthly bill, but you need to make three times this amount, or then you need to have a credit approval and all this. It's so hectic. It's so stressing. And I'm thinking there's so many other places that are affordable, but it's like, I don't want to leave Nashville because this is where I'm connected to. This is where my friends are. This is where I've grown up. Um, you know, the, there's a large Muslim community here. There's a lot of people that I know here and I don't want to have to go somewhere else, but it is sort of concerning that I may end up after I graduate having to move somewhere if things don't calm down, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Holly and Ron, you all were talking about the lack of information about these issues from, you know, Alice Rowley, Freddie O'Connell has addressed these to a degree. And it kind of makes me think about the forums that we've been having where I even was a part of a housing forum where candidates had a lot of time. Alice Rowley did not attend that forum. But in other forums, they've had an opportunity to address housing and talk about what they wanted to do with it. Does the fact that there's been a lack of information, heavy information from all of the candidates, does that give you some sort of indication on how their administration will address this issue? Ron? Don't have an answer for that right now. Okay. Well, I I will address that because... As we know, I can always flap my gums about something or other. You know, I think it, it does not concern me as much with Freddie because he has made an attempt to address it. Um, Alice has not. I've not seen that attempt to address it from her, which I think that she's not even made the attempt is more of a concern. But this is a very complex issue. If it were easy, we would. All, I think we would already have done it. But it's a political issue, as Ron mentioned. It's a pol- it's an issue of will. Certainly, I think on the conservative side of the political aisle, there's this notion that if we help people out, you know, I pulled myself up. Why can't you pull yourself up? We see that around things like college loans. But you know, the fact of the matter is that. Housing now is not like it was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And so I feel like at least Freddie has an interest in it. I'm just not sure about Alice. Now, Yusuf, when we first met you at the forum, we did in partnership with the Mayor's Youth Council, you asked a really good question that we just have to play back. Hello, y'all. I've been thinking a lot about what we as a city need. And in my mind, Nashville is like a Girl Scout. You know, we've got our Girl Scout sash. And on our sash, we have a Music City badge. And you know, we wear that proudly. And now we have this massive new Titan Stadium. That's also a badge. But I do think that there are a lot of badges that we are missing, like public transportation. I live in Antioch and we hardly have sidewalks and the nearest bus stop is around 20 minutes away. So how the heck are we supposed to get around? And my question is, what badge are you working, going to start working on first and why? All right. That was an excellent question that you came up with. Again, I give props to you, but you know, you really didn't get a chance to respond at the forum. So we'd like to let you kind of do that now. Alice Rowley told us that it was her priority to collaborate with regional mayors and realign our budget to get some high priority projects up and running. And Freddie O'Connell said he wanted to make Nashville a city that you would want to stay in, like you just said to us before we heard that clip from you, when you graduate college. What do you think about their comments and plans? I I think in general, not to just like lean one way or another, I think Freddie O'Connell has definitely put more of an emphasis on I felt paid attention to by their questions, especially sitting right there in front of them. I heard that. And overall, I think um, O'Connell has definitely put more of an effort and laid out more concrete plans when it comes to transportation and in general issues that young people have talked about, like 
school safety, transportation, drug issues, housing, things of that nature. Um, I'm not sure what exactly Alex Rooney's plan was when it comes to other cities. I just felt like that wasn't exactly on point as much as I would have wanted. I wanted to hear something more concrete because I feel as if Nashville definitely can solve at least the basic issues with transportation and sidewalks, which was my thing. Because where I live at, like near the Wolf House and all that other stuff, <laughs> sidewalk, there's hardly any sidewalks. Downtown, it's all that, you know? I don't, to me, we're not successful as a city if, okay, well, we have this big corporation coming here, or just as an example, but all of our other areas in our, in our city are still lacking those basic things. That's not successful in my so, you know, there's that. All right. Now, you know, something the citizens really should keep in mind, I think, is like no matter who wins, they have to be the mayor for all of us. And that means they're going to have to govern differently than they campaigned. Holly, who do you think, Rowley or O'Connell, who do you think can do an effective job at running our city's government? So I think Freddie, and let me tell you why. I think it is it's easy to do to say this is an idealistic or an ideology thing that he's progressive and democratic and she's conservative and but i think it's more it's more than that it is the fact that he has been involved in city government again for a couple of decades at many different levels as a volunteer as an appointed board member and i think that has given him a depth of knowledge that she lacks so it's i think it's more about that depth she's been involved in state government but I don't think she's got the knowledge of metropolitan government. And again, like we, we treat politics and people who run for for political office, we treat it weirdly. Like we don't value expertise the way we do in other fields. But, you know, I think it's extremely helpful, to say the least, to come into city government with some basic knowledge of how it works. And more than basic knowledge is even better. So I feel like that's why I think that Freddie comes in with the most expertise to be mayor out of these two. Now, we got a tweet from Nicole is on sabbatical on X. It says, this is Nashville. OK, question for Jay Holly MC. Did Twitter get at Freddie O'Connell elected? No. 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 I, look, I love Twitter. I openly tell people it's one of my few hobbies. And if it dies, <laughs> like I don't I'm going to have to take up knitting. Um, but it's also I think it's a pretty closed echo chamber. Mm. Um, and, and again, like he had these longstanding relationships outside of Twitter, people who might not even know Twitter exists or who don't um, run their mouths on it like some of us do. Holly McCall <laughs> is the editor in chief at the Tennessee Lookout. She was kind enough to join us for this conversation. Holly, again, thank you for being here with us. Yusef Dogan and Rodriguez White will stick with us through the break. Now, when we come back, we'll learn what community members need from the next mayor, no matter who wins. What do you want? Tweet us your thoughts and comments at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Kalona, and this is Nashville. It's election day in Nashville, and we will soon have a new mayor. As people in our city are deciding between Freddie O'Connell and Alice Rowley, let's learn what some community members want and need from our next mayor. We want to hear from you, so feel free to tweet us at This Is Nashville and join in on the conversation. I'm joined by my guests, MTSU freshman Yusuf Dogan and local organizer Rondrikas White. Again, thanks to both of you for being here. Really appreciate it. Now, 
You know, something that we talked about a little bit is the reaction of the Covenant school shooting. It had a lot of people talking about school safety, still talking about school safety. You know, Yusuf, you're a student. Tell me what those conversations are like on MTSU campus. I think that, um, especially with a lot of the Nashvillians that I met here and in general, there, it, it didn't have as big as an impact as I thought it would. I think people, I haven't seen, you know, I'm involved with a lot of um, civic engagement programs on campus. And when we talk about, ask people, you know, why are you interested in getting involved? We haven't had a, heard a whole lot of people talk mentioning covenant. They more so mentioned things that are concerning them, such as like transgender rights, LGBTQIA plus issues, things of that nature. I think in Nashville, though, it's definitely had more of an impact on what people are, are why people are motivated to go out and vote, for sure. Ron, what type of questions and conversations, moreover, about school safety have you been having with the people you work with and talk to? Uh, not necessarily conversations about school safety as much as gun violence. Uh, but when it comes to school safety, I think a lot of people aren't necessarily having the conversation locally because it's such a state-led issue, right, that we have to depend on the state and we see the unwillingness from the state. There's only so much that a local uh, that a mayor can do, right? Maybe send more school resource officers in uh, or put more po- – it ultimately ends up with more police. Um, but I was just thinking to myself yesterday about, you know, the shooting at, I mean, the, the The alert, yeah, the threat at MLK. Um, I graduated high school, what, 15 years ago? I never had to deal with anything like this, right? I never worried about being shot at school or having to deal with, you know, drills and learning how we had fire drills and tornado drills, but we didn't have active shooter drills. And, uh, it's just something, it's, it's quite pitiful, honestly. You know, when I think about this and, you know, the issues that we're facing, again, it's, it's kind of aligned to the last question I asked Holly about working with the mayor who's going to have to govern for all of us. You work in activism and organizing spaces in this city. Yeah. Are you prepared to work with whoever wins? Yeah. Um, I mean, and to the same side, whoever wins, there's also an accountability factor, right? So even if the candidate that I want, that I support wins, if they do something wrong, I still have to hold them accountable. Um, but I wanted to give anybody a chance. Um, yeah. I, I just remember the impact of election results. Let's talk about that. Yeah, in two, 2004, I was living in Los Angeles and the presidential election was highly contested. Mm-hmm. I knew a lot of people who threatened to move and leave the country if their candidate didn't win the presidency. None of them actually did no. at the end of the day. <laughs> but these people are talking like that now. Yeah. Are you really concerned about that, about people leaving the city if their preferred candidate doesn't win? I think... Not necessarily that as much as I'm concerned about people leaving if the results from the candidacy, from the person winning, um, affects them, right? Uh, I'm willing to stay no matter who wins, right? My issue, the thing that's going to cause me to leave Nashville is can we keep it affordable? If I can't live in Nashville, I don't want to live here, right? I'm from the city. I'm not from Donaldson, Antioch, Madison. I am from Nashville, Tennessee. Mm. If I can't stay in Nashville... I don't want to be here no more. Yusuf, you said earlier in the show that you wanted to stay here. You didn't want to leave due to 
housing prices. But as a young person who is in college working to get more of your peers civically active and civically minded, are you open to working with whoever wins the mayorship? If an opportunity is like that, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a believer in that you have to be a part of the system to change it for most things. Um, and agreeing with what Ron said, you know, I would want to stay in Nashville. It's just a matter of, you know, can you afford it, right? Making Nashville a city for Nashvilleians being our first priority is definitely something I'm always going to advocate for. Whether or not the mayor's on board for that, you know, we can always wait them out and try to advocate for something better. Now, you two are, are highly involved in the community. You're highly involved in civics and local government. I understand why you both have kept close tabs on the race. Mm-hmm. But what about the community itself? Ron, do you feel like the community has truly been engaged in this mayoral race? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, people that aren't as active in it, you know, they're coming to me, ask me, what do I think, uh, who I think they should, you know, vote for. And it tells me that they haven't been contacted by the campaigns themselves, right? Even I, I'm an active voter, right? Uh, and I... I am what you would call a high propensity voter, uh, and I haven't had a lot of contact from campaigns. So people who are like me usually have the top level of contact with people. Um, And so for those people who are middle or low propensity voters, uh, I can only imagine the lack of contact that they've had. What does that say about the lives of daily Nashvilleans, you know? I think it says a lot, not just about their lives, but the... uh, how the candidates and campaigns, and not just not just exclusively to mayoral candidates, just candidates in general, um, and the lack of organizing that is taking place, particularly grassroots mm-hmm. organizing on the ground, uh, building, and it also has to go past election season, right? It has to be something that we're doing year round, reaching out to communities, and uh, ideally, those are the people who will be elected next are the people who are engage with communities day in and day out, not just during election season. And I, okay, so yeah, I I don't want to push back necessarily, but I do want to make this point clear. It's not, yes, I'm running for mayor. If Khalil Ekelona decides to run for mayor, and y'all, listen, y'all, I am totally not, okay? I'm just going to be true with you. (laughs) You get my vote, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. (laughs) Okay, if I decide to run for mayor, of course it's up to me to go out there and to talk to folks. But isn't it equally important for the people of a city of a municipality to be civically engaged, just as it's important for the press to make sure that folks are informed. Holly and McCall and I were talking at the top. We had so many forums, but we didn't really learn much about our mm-hmm. candidates, you know? And Yusuf, you know, we saw that a lot of people, young people, they were galvanized for the call for increased school safety after the Covenant shooting. And you working on campus to get your peers civically engaged. How important mm-hmm. is it for us as citizens to be super engaged when we're coming to vote for a mayor that many of us feel is going to determine the future of our city. Yes. I mean, I think there's equal responsibility on both parts of the person running and for us. I'm going to speak from like a young person's perspective. Um, On campus, I work with the American Democracy Project for Civic Learning. What we try to do is to cultivate, you know, an educated student population that can engage meaningfully and, our democracy, because that's how we get things changed. Even the founders, they at they at first were a bit scared of having this whole idea of like a direct sort of democracy sort of thing, because 
they were afraid of demagoguery and people not being educated enough on what's going on to be able to make informed decisions. And so what we try to do is teach people, right? And honestly, I think in general, especially among college students now versus high school students, I think there's a bit of a difference with how interested and how active they're getting. Um, you know, as college students, we're adults now. You know, we're not, that some of us aren't living under our parents anymore. We're starting to discover ourselves. We're starting to go out in the world and we're thinking, hey, what is it that I truly believe in? What am I interested in? I want to get involved. I want to start doing these things. Um, and especially since like 2016 and 2020 elections, I think that young people's attitudes towards government and elections and, you know, being involved, right, as like a normal thing, I think it's sort of changed. They now see it as something, we see it as something that like directly affects us, that can impact even at the local levels, which I don't think people pay attention to a lot. Thinking about, oh, wait, my city council member, my mayor, they have a lot of impact on things and going on up. Um, and, you know, social issues, um, especially things for Gen Z that are being threatened, as specifically in Tennessee at this with the state legislature. Um, I think that's bringing a lot of things forward in our minds on how we can engage meaningfully in our democracy. Uh, you know, I, I, I like that. And a lot of people like that. Holly McCall just tweeted, I was very impressed with Yusuf. He clearly has his blank vastly more together than I did at 18. <laughs> so keep up the good work, my friend. Now, Ron, final question for you, my friend. You know, how can people be, become motivated and more involved in our city government so they understand the next mayoral election, what the stakes are? Um... So to combine that with the last one also, I think there's a there's a capacity issue, right, with certain people, uh, a lot of especially working class families uh, here in our city where, you know, you have mom, dad working eight, 12 hours a week, have to come home, deal with all the stuff there uh, and don't necessarily have the time or the capacity to actually be as involved. And that's the job of organizers such as myself. Uh, is to inform people on their issues, right? On what's helping, on, on what um, on what they could do to better serve themselves. Um, as far as what people can do to be better involved, I think we have to do a good job of political education and civics education, right? Uh, and just letting people know, hey, these are the power structures. This is what affects your day-to-day -day life, right? This department works on this, this department works on that, whether it be codes, et cetera. And uh, yeah, just political education is the ultimate answer. When we wake up in the morning, we will have a new mayor. I want to thank my guests, Rodriguez White, local organizer and MTSU freshman and former member of the Mayor's Youth Council, Yousef Dogan. Again, thanks to you both for being with us. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton. That episode was directed by Magnolia McKay. Laura Boach is our technical director. Elizabeth Burton also handled the live tweeting. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at This Is nashville.org or wherever you get your podcast as a matter of fact the best place to listen is go to the podcast you'll love it and the conversation doesn't end here tweet us at this is nashville find us on instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online this is nashville i'm khalil lake we'll see you tomorrow everybody and be good to each other